Welcome to 100 PM, the show where we interview 100 active product managers from startups to enterprise, everything in between, all from one great city every season. If you're joining us for the first time, be sure to visit our website, 100productmanagers.com. That's the number 100, productmanagers.com. It's the web's largest single free resource for product management topics. We've got tons of great articles about business, technology, and design, fabulous contributors, and the official must-read, listen-to-follow list, as recommended by our incredible guests, week over week. It's season one. We're here in sunny Los Angeles. I'm your host, Susanna Bate, resident instructor at General Assembly and founder of The Development Factory. Welcome, and thanks for listening. Director of product for Evite, is that what we call you? That's what they, on the streets. That's what they call me on the streets. <laughs> you just walk down Sunset Boulevard and people sort of part as you're coming through the yeah, make I, way for Lauren. I think so. I mostly just... But, you know, run them right over. <laughs> All right. So uh, I want to go a little bit back in time before we talk about present day. Mm-hmm. Um, intern Sushi. Yes. You were director of user strategy there. Yeah. Uh, it seemed like, were you sort of involved in the team that started that? Was that one of your babies? Yeah. I mean, it was absolutely a dream of, um, I, I worked, at the time I worked for, um, a film and TV uh, production company called the Mark Gordon Company. And Mark Gordon has been in the business for so many years. I mean, he's done Saving Private Ryan, Grey's Anatomy, Criminal Minds. Right now he's doing Ray Donovan. Oh, never heard of him. Yeah, any of those amazing Small shows. titles. Yeah, he's, he's really an amazing producer uh, for film and TV. And one of his um, producers on his staff, Shara Senderoff, had this idea for a startup. Um, she had it a long time ago, I think even at the point when she was in college, and it was even bubbling up over the surface when we were trying to hire film and TV interns. And we just wanted quality people, but it was so hard to figure out from a resume who was good or not. Um, and, you know, the internship business, has, there's a lot of people in the internship business, there's a lot of companies out there, but her idea was, was really special and really unique. And it had to do with the fact that when you're in college, you don't really have a lot to put on your resume. Um, so it's like you got to send out a resume, but you don't have anything to put on it yet. And so it was all about making these uh, people come to life through digital profiles. And I had never worked in tech before. I had never worked in any kind of company like that. I've always, you know, I was working in journalism. I was working in film and TV. And, and when and when Cher Senderoff had this idea, um, I asked to come on board and said, can I help start this with you? I don't care what I do. I'll, you know, I'm... I know I'm sort of working at the film and TV company, but I'd much rather sort of get this off the ground. I believe in this idea, and I think it's worthwhile. Send me in, coach. I'm in. I'm <laughs> ready for you. And I did a lot of different things. <laughs> and and, and we, we did a lot of different things together. And it was some of the best years that I had was working with her because I learned so much about how hard it is to start a business and what it takes to start a business. So you think, of course, you need to, things like business plans and revenue projections and also user acquisition plans and also to build a website and to test it and to redesign it when it doesn't work and you're doing all of this with a couple people and you're feeling super overwhelmed because this is an amazing idea that you feel so much passion about personally and with your heart but also bringing it to life is so incredibly difficult and one of the rewarding parts about being a product manager or being in product is 
your job every day is to try to make those ideas come to life. Yeah, I mean, so many nuggets in there that, that I kind of <laughs> want to pull out. I, I think, and you're right, it, the, the saying that we use is starting is easy, right? Starting is easy, starting is exciting. Five years later, you're going, when will the fun really happen? And the fun is happening along the way, yeah. but it is a lot of work. And, you know, you call out absolutely, I think one of the things that comes up over and over again in the conversations I have is, well, what will it be like, you know, when I'm in this role? Mm-hmm. Well, it will be absolutely different everywhere you go. And, you know, if you want to be part of that, right at the ground floor, then yeah, you're going to be calling the plumber as well as testing the feature as well as, as well as. And then if you move to an organization that is a little bit more established, um, then those things will change. And, and the way in which your skills uh, and responsibilities will be kind of divided up will change with that. What is product management, you know, to you? If you were like on the spot and you had to define it as you've come to organically understand it, yeah. what do you say it is? You know, my role here at Evite is, you know, right now is a lot in the, I'm trying to refocus it a little bit to be a lot more in our team to be a lot in the beginning. So the research, the design, the development part. Um, I think historically at Evite and some other places I've worked too, we focus a lot on the delivery, which is a little bit more in some companies project management. Um, we're trying to move more into product management, but there is such a blend between the two when you're at a small company. You know, I think that... And, sorry, you yeah. consider this small, but you guys are what, 80? Yeah, yeah, we're, we're about, probably now across all our offices, probably about 90. Right. But I do feel like it's a small company, even though I had worked at a startup. You know, maybe that's just because when I think about, you know, I met with a guy who runs product at um, Wakia yesterday, I had coffee with him, and he was telling me about they had 10 product teams. And I remember looking at our CEO and being like, oh, someday we're going to have 10 teams, not just four people. <laughs> you know, 10 teams of four people, you know, someday. Um, but, yeah, I think, that, I think that product as a whole is, like you said, it's so hard to define because it's different at every single place you go. To me, it's a lot of uh, being a driver. And it's a lot of making sure that shit gets done in whatever way that that means. Um, whether it means you're actually designing it, whether it means you're pushing it through, um, you're really the person to get it out the door and then evaluate it and make sure that it's the best experience. Some teams, I think, focus very much on just the customer experience, just for their you know core user base. I'm really working at Evite to make sure that our product team understands that we have lots of different kinds of users, our stakeholders mainly, um, so it's not just that we're building a customer experience for our hosts and guests at Evite. We're also making sure that our users, like our advertisers, are happy. You know, our stakeholders within the company, we do a lot of work for. So for the marketing team or the content team, they need stuff all the time. And so our product team works directly with them as well. What do you think that it is, do you think that it is, that so many people happen into product organically or accidentally like you you know you mm-hmm. talked about your journey sort of being in media just wanting to roll up your sleeves and and try this thing you know many of the people that I speak to similar it's you know they did not start out on this clear path of product and that might be different five years from now right there might right. be more maybe everyone will listen to this conversation these conversations and and understand that path more clearly but 
how do how do people find product as a destination? You know, I've been thinking about that a lot lately because I had to hire a team, you know, in this past year. And to identify the kind of people you want on your team, you have to identify sort of what you believe makes a good product manager or why people get into it. And part of me believes it's a personality thing. And it really is an inherent craving of responsibility, which is it, that may sound like a weird way to say it, but I think that every great product person that I've met that has really been impressive to me in terms of what they've produced or what they've done has been somebody who couldn't wait to not only do it themselves, but take whatever the result was and make that better and then, you know, keep building and building and building until it's perfect. It's somebody who is not necessarily ever quite satisfied. So that is a hard personality or work trait to find. But when you do find it, it's so easy to identify. It's so quick. Um, And then you know you have to have that person because... I really believe that every product manager should really aspire to be a product owner. Um, when I first came to Evite, my first boss here really made sure that I understood that I was going to be the owner of a, of a feature. And that meant from the beginning to the end. And I wasn't going to just be doing one daily piece. That meant I had to do things like business models, wireframing, um, writing the stories, testing it through and making sure that it got out on time. And for that, I am forever grateful because if a product manager is only doing one piece of that, it's really hard to ever be responsible for the entire process. So I've seen a lot of different product managers. I've seen a lot of different people who are really good at certain things, UX or wireframing or writing stories, but the best ones are sort of craving to be the owners from the beginning to the end and really want that re- the responsibility that goes along with that. Did you learn a lot of those skills sort of on the job or, oh. or else after hours going, I got to do a wireframe? I learned, them all, I learned them all on the job. Right. I mean, I learned them all the hard way. I learned them all by like handing somebody a piece of paper and being like, this is what I want it to look like. And then being like, what the hell is this? I'd be like, oh, I think that's supposed to be this part of the website. Um, I have <laughs> a, the most embarrassing thing that I use is like a $7 wireframing tool like I I, and all I do is copy and paste and you know screenshot things on top of each other until they look nearly pixel perfect and then I attach that to a ticket it's funny like when my product managers start they want things like photoshop and Axure and all these amazing tools and I will forever be loyal to my seven (laughs) dollar wireframing software because it works for me and it gets the job done you know, one of the first things somebody said to me when I was working in product, like a, a de- developer said to me, is like, I don't care how you tell it to me, just make sure like what you're trying to tell me is in here, whatever way that is. So if you have to write it out, or if you have to like sketch it out, or if you want to put it on a whiteboard, I don't care how you tell me, but just make sure you have told me. And then I realized that everybody's a little bit different and everyone needs something different. And I had to kind of learn what my way of storytelling was going to be. You meant a, a comment before before we were rolling here. <laughs> you said that a lot of what you're trying to focus on right now is shifting from an execution mindset to a leadership mindset. And I thought that was interesting because even as you described, you know, product managers are kind of in the thick of it. They're inherently problem solvers. They seek that out. So 
you know, at what point did you realize I got to kind of get elevated here? And where do you struggle in that? Oh, yeah, it's so difficult for me. It's so difficult for me. I think, you know, when you inherently crave responsibility or if that's, like, you know, part of what I believe makes a great product manager, then what happens when you have to give that responsibility to somebody else? <laughs> like, what, how do I, what do I do? I'm like, I have to delegate? What the? I haven't done that ever in my entire life. I have to do that now? Well, you wanted a team of four people. You said you needed more help. Now you have these people. What are you going to do with them? Oh, yeah, you're right. Now I absolutely can't do it all myself because we're paying all these other people to do it, too. So um, the struggle for me, you know, it's, it, it's, a, it's twofold. One, is it much easier for me just to write the story or write the design or do the mocks myself? Yes. Is that scalable for our business as, a, as long term to do that forever? No. Um, do I want to be the only voice, the only creative person contributing to our website? Absolutely not. I don't pretend to be anything of some kind of superhuman product person. I'm somebody who has an idea, tests it, and if it doesn't work, I try again. I fail fast. So one of the hard parts about going from being an executor to being a leader is teaching that kind of mindset to someone else, setting those expectations for somebody else, and then giving them the tools to be able to do that. I think that when you create anything, if you're in a position of being a designer or UX person or product person, you're creating something, you feel really close to it, you feel very personal to it, you feel very protective of it, and it can be hard to see if that doesn't work out or if it, if it doesn't succeed in the way that you want or if you were completely wrong which I'm wrong every single day. So teaching this into Do people other, tell you, by the way, or you're just oh like, my I was so wrong, but I'm not going to admit that? Oh, I admit it every day. <laughs> I, I'm so wrong. And I admit it, like, even when I have an idea. Guys, I don't know if this is going to work. This is my best shot. This is what I got. Okay. Here's, here's why I think it'll work. Here's my first version of how, let's put it out. I got three backup plans. <laughs> I got millions of more ideas. So, um, And then the second part of what's hard being an executor to a leader so when I was an executor, I, I was an asshole. I was, you know, in the meetings being like, I want it by the end of the week, or it doesn't work this way. Like, it doesn't go out. And I could talk to people this way because there was somebody above me who was kind of um, the shit shield, if you will. <laughs> I was on the bottom floor being like the aggressive bulldog saying, no, I want it now. No, I want it this way. And, and I had that reputation of being that. Well, now... When you have a team and you sit at the table, it's more about diplomacy and it's more about cooperation and it's more about giving. I feel like I make way more concessions now than I've ever made in my entire life. <laughs> um, I feel like I'm always making these side deals. <laughs> okay, you give me this and I will give you this. I made no deals when I was an executor. It was my way or the high, you know, let's just get this done. Let's get it out the door. Some people might call that karma, by the way. <laughs> I think it is. I think it is. It's coming for you. It's coming around for you. It's me growing up. Right. Yeah. Right. Painful. <laughs> so painful, but worth it. Right. It feels good, though, to yeah. know that... I did things the hard way, and this is actually much easier. And you would have, I would have never thought that. All right, so you know, here you are, you've got this team, you're holding on to all these tasks <laughs> as you love to do the work, and, and you don't, delegating doesn't come easy. Were there any tasks that you were like, thank goodness you're here, I wanna know what's the stuff that you happily dumped on the desks of the, of the new team day one? Organizing the backlog. <laughs> 
<laughs> That's such a shitty thing to say. Oh my god, it's terrible. I hate organizing the backlog. Hey. I hate it so much. It's a mess here. Um, we. <laughs> Do you guys have any rules like? There can't be any more than 40 tickets in the backlog at any given time. We do our grooming every X, or you just have, like, aspirations for those kinds so of rules. So many aspirations. Right. I'm so aspirational for an amazing backlog. In fact, I'm so aspirational about it um, that one of the great things about how Evite is run is um, our amazing CEO, Victor Cho, has set up a very well-oiled machine. So every year we set out strategic priorities, organizational priorities and operational priorities as a company. Then each sub-team, product being one of them, has their own that ladder up to those. So, you know, operationally speaking, one of the big sub-team priorities for product this year is getting that shit on lock <laughs> because it's not scalable to have a never-ending backlog. It is not good for a scalable team. So if our team doubled in size or the development team doubled in size tomorrow, that would be a terrible place to be. So housekeeping is not necessarily something that is anybody's favorite task, but is something that is very important as we grow as a company. And so Again, going from an executor position, I didn't have to worry about that. Going into a leadership position, I have to worry about that. I have to think about how not only the product team scales over time, but how that scales throughout the, exact, the entire organization. We need to be people who get things done in the time we say we will, in the way that we say we will. And you can't do that if you have bad grooming and housekeeping and just a mess going on underneath the hood, right? So. Grooming is not something we do well yet. It is, we do agile-ish, and I think we do a lot better than other places do it, and we do it better every single day. Um, the, the real dirty secret about yeah. agile, like, I want to just put this on the table because this comes up a lot too. There's this utopian idea of what's happening in agile as is you know documented, and I'm sure there are companies that are out there that are following it to the letter. But I don't know any of those companies. Me you know? neither. And, the, and the, you know, the saying is like, the right agile is the one that works for you. But I think this is an important demystification. Yeah. Like, everyone is kind of looking over across the street at everyone else and going, are you guys getting this right? Why is it so hard? Or, or what is it about agile that, that you feel makes it easy to talk about conceptually mm -hmm. and much harder to actually stand up by the book? That is a really great question. I think, I think about that a lot, actually. I really do, because it shouldn't be this hard. It's actually not that hard of a process. Part of it is, at least here, is time consumption. It is very time consuming to groom. It is very time-consuming to estimate. It is very time-consuming to do retrospectives. I don't have the time. This tech team doesn't have the time. We just don't. We believe at Evite, we have a whole series of uh, amazing values at Evite. One of them that we decided on as a company, every member of the, the company contributed. One of them is move fast with sure footing. Move fast is very important. And sometimes Agile feels a little slow for what we need. It's an investment in a process to make yourself better, just like exercising or eating right, 
you know it's good for the longevity of your health, but sometimes you just want an In-N-Out burger because you're hungry and it's a drive-through. I don't know. It's just sometimes you just got to do what you got to do today. I don't anticipate things going wrong when we have a release, but they always do. Uh, and then you need to hotfix it or something, and and that takes a whole other day. Or there's things that interrupt constant meeting time or constant gathering. Even when we have stand up, I would love to have stand up be what did you do yesterday? What are you doing today? What are your blockers? It doesn't. Would turn you out love because even when you just said that, it <laughs> didn't like, sound it like you would. But, I yeah. would love to have yeah, this meeting. <laughs> I, I guess, I, guess I just don't see as much value in that as being like, where are we on this? Yes, I guess a blocker is like, what do you need? But also like, what's going on here? Like, right. tell me about... Wh- and yes, the whole extended team being there takes up a lot of time and it is a time suck. Our stand-ups are a little bit long. They're probably more like 20 minutes. Sometimes I sit, <laughs> which is not good. Uh, Sometimes I sit during their stand-up. Stand-up. Yeah. Um, but we work out issues there, and we work through problems there. And sometimes I think Agile is meant to be quick, and it's meant to be a process that helps you move faster. And sometimes I think we know inherently who we are. We can move a little faster in a different way. So I think the nice part about Agile, and they say all the time, is it's you take it and you apply it to your own business as best you can, and you always try to do better at it. So whenever we feel like failures at it, we're like, we'll get it next time. Which is like the happy little note at the end of Agile, right? It's like, here's the whole process, and don't worry, you'll never quite get it right. So it's okay if you constantly are improving. Right, right. Gold star for effort. Yeah, it, it <laughs> reminds me, you know, uh, I don't know if you ever read the book, The Four Agreements. It's just sort of, yes, okay. I have. Well, um, what I loved about reading that, you know, you're reading it, you're reading it, you're reading it, you're subscribing, and then you're thinking in your mind, or at least I was, but how am I actually going to do this? And then the last agreement comes along and it's like, and just do your best. And it essentially, you know, being a little facetious, but it basically gives you permission to not really have to adhere too much to the rules. It sounds like a little bit like what you're saying. It's like the best thing about Agile is we'll iterate. Yes, <laughs> you know, we'll, we'll get better, better and uh, we'll, we'll evolve over time. Which Incremental sort of the, progress over time. Which is sort of the best thing about product. Yeah. I mean, you have to believe that about product. Yeah. It's hard when you're at a startup and you're trying to put something out for the first time. That I understand. But if you're at an established company with an established product and you're just trying to make new features or iterate on what you already have, you have to believe that everything you put out is not going to be perfect because then you're never going to get any better. And everything is a constant work in progress. And if you've hit any kind of place where you're like, and I'm done here, then it's probably not either the place that you should work anymore or the product you should work on anymore. Because setting new goals for yourself, higher goals, harder to reach goals is part about being an owner, right? The responsibility comes with setting impossible dreams and trying to reach them. Um, That's why being never satisfied is a really great quality inherently to have because you're always searching for the next best thing. But it actually sounds like it's this kind of even more nuanced hybrid of never really being satisfied, but also not being a perfectionist. Because if you're a perfectionist, then you're so precious about it and you kind of can't stand the failures, the inevitable failures. (laughs) So you have to really, really care, but not 100%. (laughs) You have to be committed to failing over and over again. Right. So all you've really done so far is validated, I think, for all of us that this job and this, this domain that we're talking about is... 
so unknowable. <laughs> we're, we're trying to demystify it, and then we just kind of keep remystifying it yeah. as we I mean, go. There's, there's certain things that I know. I feel like I know. I feel that, you know, I've learned, and I'm, I'll take with me anywhere. And some of this stuff may not really be direct to product. I had a great conversation with Nor, you know, on my team about this. When she, we were talking about sort of what makes a good product manager in my eyes, and or at least be a good member of our team. And I said, at the very simplest level, it's somebody who takes work off somebody else's plate. And I realized that that's actually extendable across any job. Um, when you think about how you can be useful and helpful to someone, it's not necessarily being the smartest person in the room or the only person who knows about something. It's more like, how can you contribute to enable everybody else to work faster or better? So coming up and saying, hey, I, I know you got all this stuff. I can do the first half of this stuff for you. Can I help give you a version of that? And you can just check it off and look at it before it goes. Yes. Oh, my gosh, yes. I see you have a meeting from 9 o'clock until 6. Uh, this meeting <laughs> I seems, hope I'm never invited to that Yeah, th- those are those meetings that I have. Well, it's blocked. And then they, you know, she says, well, I can volunteer to go to this meeting for you so you don't have to. I'm like... Amazing. Like anytime you can take some work off somebody else's plate, I'm actually doing that at my level. What can I, where can I take off of my CEO's plate that he doesn't have to worry about that I can take? So I think that's the best way to make yourself indispensable to a team or to a company. And I feel like I er- learned that really early on by grabbing different kinds of tasks and things like that. Um, that was your, that you, you got that lesson from the startup world. So yeah, it's like absolutely. you never really shook that. Yeah. Let's go get this attitude. I'll keep that forever with me. That's one of the best lessons I've learned. Like, how can I be helpful in a situation is I'll be helpful by being helpful. I will do the work. I will step up. I'll do my best job and present options and see where it can go. A little bit of a tangential question here, but something you said prompted it. How quick are your users to... Uh, start throwing tomatoes when they don't like something. Like, you know, you're pushing out a new feature or even maybe it's just a minor interface update. Like, when does the first complaint come rolling in and how does that typically unfold? Uh, I want to say right away, but what's interesting about it is Evite is... um, when I think about it as a product, I don't necessarily think about it as an every single day product. You know, it's not like Facebook or Instagram that you just are scrolling through and randomly doing throughout the day. Evite is for, um, you know, parties and events and some of your most special moments. And so those, you know, like a birthday happens one time a year. That doesn't mean you won't come for another event, but really we have you for a very small amount of time. So in that amount of time, whether you're a host or a guest, we need to make your experience as as easy and memorable as possible. That's what Evite is all about. So sometimes when I think about products that are like ours, I think more about like, you know, apartment rental websites. Like you move once every four years or three years or something. And, you know, in that time period when you're looking for something, if we don't catch your eye or make it really easy for you to find that apartment or find what you're looking for or search or filter, you'll go somewhere else to another one. You're not going to not get another apartment. You're not going to not move, right? You're not going to not have your birthday. So, you know, we struggle a lot with when we change features, somebody may not see it for another year, right? So it just depends. You have power users who use Evite all the time. They may have like recurring events like poker night or something like that. And then you have all the way things to professional events that are just for big get togethers or, you know, weddings and baby shower. Kids birthday obviously is like the bread and butter of Evite. Um, But 
I think that you'll hear it in, we have, we have massive scale. eBay is, is the largest online invitation company. It's, it was also the first. So we do have the amazing benefits of things like scale. We can put things out to people and we will hear feedback right away. But you're not necessarily going to have the kind of feedback that you would get if it was an everyday product, right? So sometimes you won't hear feedback about something for a very long time after. Because, you know, maybe it was a lot of new people and, you know, it, it just depends on what it is. We have a really great um, customer experience team here and they lead our voice of customer initiative, which is one of our strategic priorities at Evite. And they're really committed to being the voice of when something happens. So if something breaks or if there's feedback about something that they don't like, those things all get recorded and like logged and presented weekly to the entire company. So they're like on the ground, like listening to every single thing that's happening. We do NPS, Net Promoter Score. So we send that out to host and guests. Um, and we record every comment that comes back from that. And it goes into one of these funnels. So we'll go real fast. Like we had a feature that was confusing people. They were accidentally enabling it. And it was causing mass hysteria. And it was terrible. Um, it made perfect sense how it was set up to us. Um, we're like, how could you accidentally add this by taking five steps? That seems unusually weird, but the numbers spoke. It was what it was. So we just said, okay, let's start tackling this as a whole problem. We don't want to remove the feature, but we need to make it easier to use. What's step one? Well, let's change the copy. Let's make it really cr crystal clear. The problem got worse. I mean, you can't ever bet that you can know, you know, okay, well, let's move the positioning. Maybe the positioning is scaring people because they think it's mandatory when it's really optional. Oh, that helps a little. Okay. So all we're doing is taking like a boulder and chipping away at it when we have an issue like this. But we do here, and, 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 and the customer experience team does an excellent job of synthesizing it. So somebody could be like, I don't know how to do this. And someone else can be like, I got confused. And you know, over here, it's like, this doesn't work, and they all kind of come together, and they're like, okay, here's the problem with this. So they do a really good job of making sure that these things are sort of in almost epics or swim lanes. Like, okay, here's all the uneasy complaints or weirdness about this issue, and we take that feedback, and then we just try to iterate on it and fix it a little bit in every sprint until we get it right. I mean, it's so hard to imagine, like, people up in arms. You know, it's such a lovely company. It's, it's you know, the other, other products I can imagine, you know, one of the ones that I like to talk about a lot is my frustrations around Salesforce. And yeah. I, like, I never miss an opportunity to talk about or really complain about Salesforce, even as I continue to be a customer. So I can see, it's like you're, you're roadblocking me. You're making things harder than it needs to be. But an Evite is like, come to my party. I can't imagine somebody raging against the machine in those moments. Do I they mean, get real mad or it's just more like, huh? I mean, if you Tell me the maddest somebody yeah. ever got about oh my God, something. This week alone, I mean, you only have one fifth birthday. And if Evite messes it up, this mom, there's only one to blame, right? I mean, this mom is, is there's nothing, there's nothing more powerful to get all of us moving off our asses than ruining a kid's birthday. I mean, I will not have that on my conscience, right? <laughs> like, I'm not, I'm not going to be responsible for that. I, you know, Evite is supposed to be about getting people together easy, more easy and, you know, conveniently and memorably. Like, we are not in the business of messing up anybody's party. And when that something like that happens, it 
sits with you at night. I mean, my God, like, I know we're not curing cancer and we're not, you know, doing anything that, you know, we're not solving a, a world issue, but we are in your most special moments with your closest family and friends, and we are facilitating that. And if we negatively do that or we mess that up in some way, you can't get that back. And so we are very careful with that, and we take that very seriously. And and maybe that wasn't always in the history of Evi. I mean, Evi's been around for 20 years. It's been through a lot of different kinds of changes in leadership. But our CEO now, Victor, is committed to that. That is the highest priority because that's the only way a business can actually live on for another 20 years. Um, and that's what every person here is committed to doing. You'll hear, you know, girls on the content team or guys in QA say something like my customer. I've never worked at a company where people across my customer, I mean, that's a very personal thing. Well, my customer, my customers don't like this or, you know, I wouldn't want that to happen to my customers. So there's an ownership here of protecting the users and making sure that these families and these friends have the best time ever. And when we're getting in the way of that and we're failing, it's really hard to, it's hard to swallow. And we, we bring customers in and we have these like retreats uh, twice a year. We have customer panels come in and we choose customers who are irate. We choose customers who basically lost and we ask them to come in and share with us. And like some people get emotional. It's actually pretty hard to watch. It's really hard for me to watch, you know. It's really hard for to you to sit in front of your actual customers when they're telling you what you did or what your product did and you know how hard you work on this thing. Um, that's a hard moment, but it's also the moment that makes me get up every single day and actually come to work. That's my motivation. So, you know, it's taking something that, you know, I said this to somebody today, actually. You know, we were talking about developers and the engineering team, and I said, when you find a bug or something fails, like, you know, that's their work getting criticized. Think about in school when you were giving a presentation and the teacher gave you feedback in front of everybody. Like, it stings. You work hard on something. You have pride in something. So when your users complain about something or when you hear, like, you just messed up my kid's birthday and I'll never use you again, you know, you're committed, more committed to ever than fixing it best part is we don't hear that as much anymore so the best part is you know a few years ago it was a lot and we've committed so much to making these experiences better that it goes it, it just disappears and like now what we do is every time we get something that's really good we actually print it out like put it up on a wall we call it like customer saved and we fix people's events manually even if it's one person's event and one little thing goes wrong we just do it it doesn't matter it doesn't matter if it's something that affects 100 users, 100,000 users, or one user, because it's still a party, and it's still that person's. It goes right into a sprint. It's the highest priority, um, and we just make sure that that is the number one thing. I had, I mean, when you talked about uh, the weight of somebody's party going wrong, I had this visual of a bunch of you guys jumping into a car with balloons and being like, get to that park immediately. <laughs> we need to... It, it, it feels like that serious. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's, it's, it's tough. Beautiful. It's nice. It's, you know... It, it's it's I've always felt like I wanted to work I wanted to live like a life that was passionately creative about something that was important which is why I went to school for journalism like I designed for newspapers and did that because I felt the news was a very important service to people um, I still believe it is 
I had worked a sales job for a little bit and I was so unmotivated by it. I didn't want to get I wasn't I wasn't helping anybody. Um, intern sushi was one of the first times after journalism that I felt like I was really helping people. I was connecting, I was helping connect these kids to their dream jobs and I was helping companies find people that actually wanted to work there and not just punch in and out. And some of those kids, I remember one of them reached me out on LinkedIn and was like, I still work here. Like, I'm like, this is like amazing. And I just felt like that was a good service. I felt good about my job. Evite is like amazing for that. Because when you do it right, it's almost like we're invisible. You know, if the product works in the way that I want it to be designed, you shouldn't even really know we're there, you know, until you want to go and remember it. And that's a lot of the stuff that we're working on this year, which is like sort of the memory that goes along with it and that emotional tie back to your party, your event, or just the moment that you had with your friends and family. You, that was beautiful. (laughs) I'm feeling... I'm a little emotional about it all, actually. I keep looking out and expecting everybody to be, like, standing with cake or something. Send a memo to get the cake for them. There's a lot of cake around here. I believe it. Um, so you brought up our, our friend, Noor. Yeah. And so Noor is one of your junior product managers. Yes. And she, uh, she was a student of mine mm-hmm. at General Assembly. So remind me, did she sign up of her own accord or you know did you guys sort of say hey go here and do this yeah I um I said hey go here and do this uh but I did it because no I almost did it to sort of prove to her that she knew more than she did so when Nora came here um she when she interviewed she had come from um a mobile apps lab and she was a UI designer um and that's what she told me and then I looked at her work, and I said, well, you're actually a product manager. And she's like, no, I've never done product. And I said, well, just because someone told you that wasn't your role, that doesn't mean what you're, not what you're doing. You're not just putting colors and shapes on something and applying the design style aesthetically. You are designing apps and how they should work. And the UI and the UX that you're doing is... You may be write, not writing a story out, but you are doing that through your wireframes and your designs. And I said, that's why I need you on my team, because you have a lot more experience than you think you do, and I will teach you everything else that you need to know. I said, but there's people that can teach you better, and that's General Assembly. <laughs> so I said, I, I, I actually put into her offer letter. That was part of like why I went back to the CEO, and I said, she's game for it. I said, there's no better company out here that I think can really show you the 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 breadth of what you can do in product management and I she wants to do it can we pay for her to do it it's like absolutely and I was like that's why you're amazing um and we put in an offer letter she she went to school twice a week with you and she would come in and talk to me about it the next day she was extremely excited about it and she'd say things like oh my gosh remember when we did this last week well actually I did this in school and she was like connecting the dots and I actually think it got her up to speed way faster than it would have been if I sat with her and just kind of like brain dumped on her so Physically doing the product management work, whatever that means, whether it's coming up with a new idea, whether it's making presentations to present a new idea or doing the user research behind it, whether it's designing it or um, making wireframes, actually physically doing it is the best way to learn. And I really feel like GA does a good job of that. Um, Every class I've ever taken with them, I always felt like I walked away with an actual nugget of something that I could use. And so I really wanted her to experience that as well. Um, I was so proud of her when she graduated. We made such a big deal of it. We went out drinking. It was amazing. 
Um, <laughs> so she, yeah, she, she knew a lot more than she thought she did, which is, I think, a lot of product managers. What I find when I was interviewing for her position and other ones, what I always found kind of disheartening, where I kind of would take a candidate and put him aside, is when they really could only talk in product management speak, you know, but they couldn't really tell me how to make anything, you know, like tell me a story about something you want to make and how you would do it. Where do you start? Another really hard part about product management is taking a large problem or a large idea and breaking it up into doable, you know, pieces that you can execute upon. That is difficult to do. I can imagine an entire new invitation experience for Evite. Where do you start? Where do you even say, this is a minimum viable product line? Where do you say, this is where I want to end up in three years from now? It can feel overwhelming. I've seen product managers get overwhelmed in their own jobs of trying to do that. I think that's a hard skill. But breaking something up into pieces is the only way to really get anything out. Because otherwise you're going to sit on it for a long time and you could design something amazing and terrific and then you put it to market and it doesn't work and you wasted a lot of time. But if you fail faster and you test little pieces along the way, you'll get to a better product that your customers actually have validated that they wanted faster. Right. Well, and, and probably one of the fundamental reasons product managers exist, because if engineers alone were tasked with the responsibility of finishing, it would never be done. Right. It would just, they would be tinkering forever. Yeah. Got to get it's, it out. The, the analogy I like to use is the classic car in the garage. That thing's never going out on the road, you realize. You just... Yeah. Tinker forever. Resources. Right. We talked a little bit about this. One of the reasons we're doing this, you know, 100 product managers is because where do we go as professionals? Where do people who are looking for it go? Hopefully this can become a place for that. Mm-hmm. What are some resources that you know of or that you would recommend, be they groups, books, podcasts, you know, yeah. that are out there that you think if you don't if you're not tapped into this tap into this now there's great content great advice great mentorship whatever the thing yeah and you know what's funny is one of nor's personal side projects as a member of the team is to you know whenever we send out like an article or something to the team um listserv if it's a person or an idea or something that we like she actually puts it in our like product inspo uh, confluence, you're actually in there. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yes, you are as, as, as a resource for our team. So I actually think it's very important that if you're on a team or even as a person, you collect this because you're saying it's not very much out there and that is true. So when you find something good, you take it and you keep it and you look back on it. So one of my favorite um, people to, that I follow that I on Twitter that I really love um, is Teresa Torres. Um, she is a product person who, she, she has producthawk.org and she really talks about product in a, in a very accessible way, in my opinion, about design and delivery and, and measuring the data afterwards. She runs little boot camps. Um, she has really great articles that are very thorough, but also attainable. So I really like her. We look at her, that's for product management in general. In terms of just tech overall, Benedict Evan is, is like one of my new favorites. Um, he comments a lot on what 
big trends are in tech and where they're going. Um, he also retweets from a lot of really good people, so I find people from him a lot. He also has a weekly newsletter that goes out that's just like links with like one sentence, and so many of them I end up sending out to our team. Because even if they're not applicable to the business today, they're like where we're going or where we need to go and make sure. But the other thing I like to do is I like to go to, and I do this on Twitter too, products that I really love, well-designed products that I would love eBay to be like, and I go find their UX product people on Twitter and I follow them. So like Slack is amazing, is an amazing product overall. How they do notifications and how they make sure they're not getting too much or too little um, is a very delicate balance and we're designing a lot of stuff around that right now. So I just love what they do and I think they're very smart about it. So then I go find the people that work on those teams and I follow them on Twitter and see what they read, um, which is really big. And then there's, this is like probably something that everybody has seen a million times, but Simon Sinek has an amazing talk where he talks about like why you do something. Um, I think he calls it like the golden circles or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Start, start with why start with is, why. is the book. Yes. And yeah, the, the golden circle. Yeah. It's coming up a lot lately in it's a, conversations. It's, a, yeah. it's really inherent to product people. And then I just got his book, um, Leaders Eat Last, because obviously I'm going into this leadership position and, and the kind of leader... You're prepared to start for yeah, your people? Yeah, I mean, well... <laughs> You know, it's funny, little things that you do that they people see, um, you don't always know. And I'm super aware of how, my behavior now and how I interact with people and the example that I want to set for Nora and Brittany and Nick. So eat, Leaders Eat Last is what kind of leader do I want to be? I want to be somebody that, you know, inspires people, not demands people. So like I was saying, as an executor, I was much more aggressive and as a demand person, like this is what, my, what I want and when I want. And now it's, well, where do we think we can go? How are we going to get there? There's a lot more we that happens. Um, and I've learned a lot of that from him, which I think he's terrific on that too. Yeah, great speaker as well. Yeah. Love, love watching him speak. <laughs> Thank you so much. I have one last question sure. for you and then I'll let you get back to the party. Do you have kind of a... I'm sure there are many, but sort of a, a personal mantra or a soundbite or that kind of that quote that would go on the mug that, you know, your your startup vitamin yeah. legacy, so to speak, that you use to guide yourself professionally, personally, whatever, something you're comfortable to share with us. Yeah. It, I mean, it's it's not pretty, but that's probably because I'm from Jersey. <laughs> uh, people around here say, you know, Lauren is GSD, which is get shit done. I mean, I inherently believe for you to be a successful product person, business person, anything person, you actually have to do. And I feel that it's very important for me not to just say, but for me to say and do. My say-do ratio is extremely important to me personally, but it's also very important for me to represent for my team. So we say what we're going to do, and we do exactly what we say we're going to do every single time. That's how you build trust. I don't need to be the smartest product person on the planet. I don't need to be Steve Jobs. I just need to be somebody who does what they say they do. And that's what I'm committed to, getting it done, getting shit done. You're listening to 100 PM. 
the official podcast for 100productmanagers.com. If you haven't been to our site, please check it out. We have so many great resources for anybody looking to learn more about product management or starting a technology business. I'm your host, Susanna Bate. Join me here. We've got a new conversation every Tuesday. We'll see you next time.